welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. Join your host, Rhonda Arl and Laura Forehand. We want to help you as teachers reach your full potential by keeping you up to date with all the latest and best Whole Brain Teaching strategies. Whole Brain Teaching is a grassroots educational reform movement founded by Coach Chris Biffle, Jay Vanderfin, and Chris Rexstad. Whole Brain Teaching's goal is to create peaceful classrooms through orderly fun. To support the podcast, please like and share with other teachers. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. And now, here are Laura and Rhonda. Welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. I'm Rhonda Earl. And I'm Laura Forehand. And while we are coming to an end to this amazing series, we have been thrilled talking with Coach B about climbing upward self-care for teachers of beloved rascals. It's been an enlightening conversation each and every week, and we truly feel that it can only help teachers everywhere. Today, we are going to discuss key G, which is the last of the seven golden keys. Welcome back to the podcast, Coach. I hate to say this is the end of this series. I'm just, I can only hope and pray that we will have many more opportunities to have you back on the podcast, but thank you so much for being with us today. My joy, we are making a necklace of pearls the necklace is finished today and we will make many more necklaces in the future so let's just jump right into it all right i'll summarize 11 10 or 11 podcasts we started Rhonda, by distinguishing between four kinds of thoughts that teachers can have after a tough day with wild jack now one Thought dark red is about as negative negative as we can be. We say things like, I have never been able to help Wild Jack. Today was a total loss, and I'm never going to make any progress in the future. So we are writing off in three sentences everything to do with the past with our dear beloved rascal, everything that happened today, and everything that happened in the future. Rhonda, talk to us about dark red thoughts. Go. Well, those dark red thoughts just make you feel like you have no hope whatsoever. And you can go into, like you'd mentioned, those pits of dark redness (laughs) where it's hard to get out of there. Yeah. Dark red thoughts generate a many brain chemicals, but one is cortisol. When you're brain floods with cortisol, I want to say you can't see to think straight because you're just purely in an emotional state. Now, a red thought we're saying is not categorical. It's not pleasant, but in a red thought, you might say today was an awful day with Wild Jack, and that might feel pretty true until you change your focus a little bit. So we will say red thoughts are not so widespread, but they're still painful and 
unpleasant. Laura, give us a demonstration of a dark red thought about today and then a red thought. Climb out of the red hole here for a second. Go, Laura. Were, were you eavesdropping on Rhonda and I's conversation? I, yes, before the I was, of course. <laughs> Um, no, a, a red thought for today. Did you want a dark red or just a red thought for today? Give me dark red and then lift it a little bit. Modify it. Go. Okay. So I'm going to change this student's name to Jack. Okay. Mm -hmm. So my dark red thought would be like every day without fail, Jack is off task, not listening, interrupting. I mean, it, it's, it's hopeless. It is hopeless. Um, to change that to a red thought, it would be like, you know, today was a struggle with Jack, but, you know, I did see some pockets of sunshine in there, but it, it was it was kind of a rough day. In fact, I would say a red thought doesn't have any but after it. It's today was a struggle with Wild Jack. Okay. Today he didn't pay any attention. Today right. he kept jumping his dinosaur eraser around his head. You know, it's just one negativity uh, after another. And very often, Laura, we can start with one negative statement after another, after another about today. And then we can sink into what terrible parents we had. You know, we could just right. go off the deep end and uh, it's a dark red stone rolling downhill. So the dark red is like, just like you said, widespread, but yeah. the red thought, it's still those like nothing yeah. went right, but yeah. it's more concentrated. Yes. And I, I think very often the red thought, the tough day will lead us to a feeling that all is lost. There's no hope. I'm not getting anywhere. One I think it's much more often that we go from bad to worse. <laughs> now, Rhonda, a green thought, we can almost always say, Rhonda, in fact, I'm going to say we can always say, part of the day was pleasant with Wild Jack. He did not scream from morning till night. I don't care what you say. There were moments when I saw the beauty and wonderfulness, and joyfulness, and sheer pleasantness of this boy. That's a green thought. Uh, I see it, and I feel it, and I know that I'm much closer to God's perception of things when I can see some of the silver lining in the clouds. Talk about it, Rhonda. Right. Those green thoughts are special. And I think they get overlooked a lot that um, when you feel like you're having that bad day, that red, red thought day, there are those glimpses of, I would say, hope that you should focus in and not just focus in on that negative. And that's why that green thought podcast was one of my favorites, because it made me realize that, yeah, there are some green moments in there that you need to think about. And then let's talk about golden thoughts. Um Here's a pretty universal golden thought. I'm blessed to be able to help any child, especially someone who needs as much help as Wild Jack. You know, Laura, if we go to medical school and we study for eight years, 
and we get our medical license, we don't want to spend our days pulling splinters out of little fingers. We want to do as much good as we can with our life, and we want to help people with as serious of problems as we can manage. And it is a golden thing. My friends, it is very tough to make a living in the world doing good. Mm. You can do good part-time, but to be paid to do good, that's a rare thing. An awful lot of people are making money and end up making the world a less kind, greedier, more avaricious, selfish place. So, Laura, you had your day with Wild Jack. Mm -hmm. Give us a golden thought. You know what? I am so grateful that I have the opportunity to ha create a, a relationship with him each and every day and to see him come in happy each and every day and ready to, you know, to work or to at least ready to come into my classroom and be with his peers. Laura, you can tell from his behavior that his experience is unique in your classroom. Mm -hmm. I want you to think what may be a very dark thought. We have many kids who have been orphaned by the world. They are raised by parents and guardians who don't have the skills or the time or the emotional resources or the training or the background to care for these kids. We have lots of orphans. We have lots of kids who are in foster care. But we have far more kids who have been orphaned by the world, by their own experience. And we get the privilege and the joy of being as a better parent, perhaps, than they've ever had or ever will have. Rhonda, are you going to sit there in your dark red thoughts when you've got this joyful opportunity to help this kid? I mean, Rhonda... If he broke his leg and he was yelling on the pavement, would you just say, oh, well, it's time for a latte? No, you'd say, thank goodness I came along here. Talk about it, Rhonda. Well, that is so true, Coach. And I think teachers don't realize the blessings that they are in some of these kids' lives because sometimes these kids, all they have is that teacher and that relationship. So I think it's very important and for everybody to realize that, especially those teachers that have them. The other thing to remember, Laura, is any veteran teacher will tell you, you had the experience with Wild Jack all year and you never thought you got anywhere. And he comes back to your classroom in a few years or his parents tell you or you understand that you were blind. You were blind to the goodness that you did that boy. Mm. Laura, you must have had that experience where you think, oh, my gosh, I did something good here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, 
and and sometimes it's not always the parents that I hear from, but just passing some students, some past students in in the hallway as I'm walking somewhere. Or one thing that always like brings me so much joy is I'll get a letter from, you know, they'll just write a note and they'll bring it to me and they'll tell me you were one of my favorite teachers. I knew that you really cared about me. And that just, you don't know when you're in the heat of the everyday with these beloved rascals, you don't know that you're making a difference. You absolutely don't know. But when they come, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, just those little notes can be all the encouragement, mean all the encouragement in the world. Yeah. So we continued on our podcast and we said that imagine you're on Alpha Hawk Island and you come to two trees and one is the poor me thorn tree. And you say, poor me because this and poor me because that and poor me because the other thing. Lauren, Rhonda, let's vow to give our spouses a break and reduce the poor me monologues. From morning to night, it's poor Coach B. So what we do is we're going to Say poor me till we're sick of hearing it, and then we will say blessed me for the true reasons. Laura, no more poor me's. Laura, learn to switch that channel in your head to blessed me. Is that good advice, or what do you say? I think so. I think I think it is good advice. I think it helps put things in perspective. I think when we just focus on the poor me. Um, if that's all we're focusing on, I think it's okay to recognize today was a rough day, but yeah. I am blessed because of this. Yeah. I think that's really a great way to reframe things. Ladies, then we found on this lovely imaginary journey, seven golden keys. And handy enough, to help us remember them, they were the A through G key. The A key is the Alpha Hawk key. We're coming home after a bad day with Wild Jack, and we will say, well, tomorrow I'll make my Alpha Hawk proud by smiling more. And Alpha Hawk is our life guide, not a role model. A role model is a good basketball player or a good this or a good that. Alpha Hawks are life guides to how life ought to be lived. Laura, identify an alpha hawk, and then Rhonda, you name one too. Yeah, I always seem to be going back these days to my maternal grandmother. And, you know, she was just such a kind, welcoming, relational type woman who I never felt any judgment. So, you know, didn't matter what kind of day I was having, didn't matter what kind of mood I was in. She was there with open arms to, to show love, to show, you know, I was welcome no matter what, just the way I was that day, I was welcome. So her name is Lily and we named our daughter Lily after her. And so, you know, 
I kind of feel like her presence is still with us today through my daughter. Beautiful. Rhonda. Okay. I would have to think back in my classroom and I would think um, you as my alpha hot coach is what I was thinking oh. about and how, you know, having that bad day, I would want to do whole brain. Te- like if I felt like a whole brain teaching failure, I would think about you or we'd be on a podcast or maybe at a meeting and wanting to make you proud of doing whole brain teaching the way it should be done. So thank you coach for being my alpha hawk. Well, the news is you haven't made me proud. You have blessed me far, far, far more by all the work you've done to help teachers. The second golden key is the blessing key. So on your ride home, think about the blessings in your life. Males and females and animals give us blessings. The C key is the caution key. Laura, we've got to be careful that our beloved rascal doesn't turn us into rascals. Mm. We know their amygdala, the part of the brain that sounds alarm, will respond with an impetus to fight, quarrel, flee, or just be frozen. And an antidote to that is to say to ourselves, and we could do this every day, I love Wild Jack because. Three reasons. Laura, you love Wild Jack because, go. I love Wild Jack because he greets me with a smile every day. Yep. He is one of the best helpers in my room. And without fail, no matter the type of day he has had, he gives me a fist bump on the way out. Wow. What a kid. Mm -hmm. Rhonda, talk about your memories of one of your beloved rascals. Maybe it's Wild Jill and not Wild Jack. (laughs) Right. Okay. Um, Wild Jill. um, I love Wild Jill because when she comes in, she's full of energy. She's got a happy smile on her face. She's energetic. She's ready to start her day. Um, I love love, um, Wild Jill because she's always willing to help me. I love Wild Jill because um, even if she has a bad day when she comes in or she regroups herself, she enjoys being in the classroom. Beautiful. Uh, another key, the D key is a dream key. And you can just think up a time, think up a location, think up the weather and just daydream to positive effect. Laura, we know our minds wander. So when you're in deep, dark, red thoughts, let your mind wander to pleasant, healing, energizing daydreams. The E key was the energy key, and I really want to stress this. I just am so impressed by two different ways that we get energy. One is we have nice, happy experiences that lead to great results. You know, we come home and everybody hugs us and life is good and we just feel renewed and refreshed. 
But there's another kind of energy that comes from doing God's will and just cannot think of a better example than Paul. Paul spreads the gospel after an overwhelming, blinding experience on the road to Damascus. No matter what happens to him, now, where does that energy come from? It comes from doing the right thing. And I mean capital R, capital T, the big right thing. God will always supply us the energy to keep on going and to keep spreading his love. So, Laura, I don't want you to look around for a reason to do the right thing. You know, sometimes... Parents say, you know, if you're nice to people, then they'll be nice back to you. No, I think the highest kind of action is we should be nice to people because it's the right thing to do, not because we're going to get any results. And you should help Wild Jack with no hope mm. that he'll ever say thanks, with no hope that your principal will come by and pat you on the back. You don't need that really deep in your heart. You just need to know that you're doing what you can as nobly in your own way as Paul was spreading the gospel despite terrible beatings and outrages. So, Laura, that's the energy key, the divine energy key that switches on even while you face failure after failure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just keep going. Talk mm -hmm. about it, Laura. Yeah, you know, when you were talking about that, it, it makes me think that, you know, how when I've had a really rough day, that, you know, part of what helps me, part of what gives me energy to go back in the next day and, and continue to do the right thing is kind of a ref reflective piece. And so like, for example, to this morning when I was um, checking my emails and things like that, I, you know, I was feeling like kind of frustrated, but I was like, but wait, let's reflect on the good. Yep. And so I, you know, I emailed my principal and I said, 20 out of our 24 students have improved on their oral reading fluency. Ooh. And, you know, there was some other thing that I had told her, um, that was a positive and, and that just gave me energy for today. Right. And so like, I feel like if I can just do a little bit of reflection, um, not focus on the things that are, didn't go right today, but maybe kind of evaluate and reflect, you know, I didn't use my scoreboard enough or, you know, I wasn't using the trading cards or whatever. Um, that maybe I lectured more than I used the teaching cycle, you know, whatever it was using that reflective piece gives me energy to go in the next day and go, okay, I got this. We can, we can do this another day. Beautiful. So Rhonda, the F key started the podcast. It was the friends key, but I just got the feeling that that wasn't good enough. So we call it the first responder key. And it means that we must take seriously the importance of our job. It isn't once in a while 
we run into a burning building and, and save a baby. That maybe happens in a farmer's life a few times. We are first responders healing the victims of an unkind, selfish, and narcissistic world. There is a tsunami sweeping across the land, a nightmare tsunami that drowns kids first. And we are there in the front lines every single day. Now, Rhonda, don't freak out when I tell you this. Okay. But if you could go into your room, your classroom, and see on the faces of the kids the pain and wounds they were suffering from in their heart, it would be a nightmarish vision. It's only because their pain and wounds are invisible that we ignore them and don't take seriously our roles as first responder healers. Am I connecting with you, Rhonda? I'm looking at your face and it looks yes. like you might be agreeing with me. Talk to me I absolutely do. And I never thought of teachers as first responders, but the way you've explained it, it you're absolutely 100% correct. I mean, we don't see those, but yet we go in each day trying to help them the best we can, like a firefighter pulling somebody out of a burning fire. So I appreciate that perspective. Look how crucial just the reading ability is. If kids are not able to identify 100 sight words by third grade, their life is headed in a miserable, painful direction far too often. Just the ability to read that we are giving kids. 40% of adults in the United States are functionally illiterate. That means they cannot, they can recognize words, but they can't follow written directions or a map or understand road signs. What's that life like? Yeah, we're first responders and we're lighting kids up, not just intellectually, but also emotionally and teaching them that the best of life is to experience and to deliver bonds of love. So that brings us, Laura, forehand to the God key. All right, coach, we're ready. I'm going to talk about something I haven't talked about, and it's the concept of habituation. Laura, you have a delicious slice of birthday chocolate cake. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's delicious. And you wake up the next morning and say, what the heck? I'm going to have cake for breakfast. And you come home after school and you have another slice of cake. But Laura, truth be told, if you keep eating that chocolate cake, pretty soon you'll think, you know what? A bowl of green beans would taste really good. We become habituated to things that seem intensely pleasurable. Mm -hmm. you, you watch a movie. It was great. You look at it the second time. Yeah. And the third time, you would rather stare at the ceiling. So here's the principle of habituation. Repeated identical stimulation. 
makes us immune mm. to that stimulation, mm -hmm. no matter how positive it is. Explain habituation, Laura, in your uniquely wonderful way. Go ahead. Well, I I love uh, the example of chocolate cake because I think it's so true. Like I take that first bite. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I haven't had chocolate cake in forever. This tastes amazing. But, you know, the second bite just isn't, it doesn't taste the same. I don't know, yeah. if, like, you know, any that's ever happened to anybody else, but it's, it, it is. I, I think that idea of habituation is so true that, that we really do get kind of immune to, um, something that we come in contact with all the time, that repeated stimulus all the time. And the teaching point is vital here, Rhonda. You try some things in September and, oh, the kids are so thrilled, especially that stinking treasure chest, which I cannot stand. But you start giving away stuff from the treasure chest in September and by November, you could give away shovelfuls and they could care less. Repeated identical stimulation makes you immune to that stimulation. That's why we use Super Improver, which I'll talk about in a second. Rhonda, ever had the experience of something working like a miracle on legs in September and kids could care less? Oh, absolutely. Until I found whole brain teaching, that is. But... Yeah, I mean, and I even see the classes around me, you know, teachers complaining that, you know, this doesn't work. They've got the bucks, they've got the tokens, and they turn it in for rewards. And I'm just sitting back there, I'm like, you don't need it. But I don't know. I, in my past life before whole brain teaching, yeah, I was trying everything possibly I could. I, you know, I did the auctions, I did the tickets, I did everything, nothing worked. So definitely agree. A little footnote for the super improver. All our kids start as turtles. But being a zero point turtle, when you get one point as a turtle, that's a different kind of stimulation. And when you get up to four points as a turtle, your turtle almost penguin. That's a whole different dessert. And as you move up and each level has a different identity and a different thrill, and people are changing positions around you. And I wish we could take credit for this, but that's where billions of dollars are going in video games. Video games and the you know latest in the last few years is open world environments. You can go anywhere inside the video game, which means lots of different stimulations. Now, what on earth? Laura, I see you with this wondering look on your face. Coach, what does habituation have to do with the God key? I want you to think about this, Laura. Okay. You've got a pastor or a priest, and the pastor or priest gives a really good sermon on Sunday. Now, if that was just a really good sermon, he could give it every Sunday thereafter. Mm-hmm. And if habituation wasn't the case, the Bible would only need one page. Just read the Ten Commandments or the Sermon on the Mount. Christianity is full 
endlessly full of new kinds of moral and spiritual stimulation. And we feed ourselves on that stimulation because we become habituated to the, to the old version. We want more and more and more, and we want new and new and new. Talk about that, Laura, how we're glad that it seems like habituation is a bad thing, but habituation drives us forward into a deeper and deeper exploration of God's word and God's spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it does, it kind of keeps us curious if you think about it, you know, it keeps us wanting to learn more and dive deeper. So I think it, it could actually, you know, be something that propels us forward, even though there are maybe some negative aspects to it, like the chocolate cake incident, you know, I do think there's some, in some way it can move us forward and make us more curious to, to, to learn more. Now, my challenge for the God key was to find something new that would give us a new kind of jolt. So let's take something we already know. Mark 1.16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Well, one point to make here is that when Jesus says, follow me, they just didn't walk a new path. They entered a new world from being fishers which means they were doing stuff with nets and the same thing every day to being fishers of men, completely different occupation, different world. And that's the calling is to go from being a fisher person to someone who's out pulling souls in for Christ. Now that's a huge jump. But now how are we going to take this and see it a little bit in a, in a fresh way. So I did a bit of research and we know that Jesus spoke Aramaic, uh, but he read Hebrew. He was reading in the church. And I could not find the Aramaic for follow me, but I did find the Hebrew for follow me. So think of this. Here are two words that we can say to ourselves that odds are we haven't said before as American Christians. Two words in Hebrew that mean follow me. And we could say these words and just get a fresh, non-habituating call to Jesus. And the two words are, the first word is lek, and the phonetic Spelling is L-E-K. And the second word is Akarai. A-K-E-R dash I. Akarai. Lek Akarai. When you say Lek Akarai, and as bad as my Hebrew pronunciation is, certainly, when you say that, you're saying words that Jesus has used 
for thousands of years, calling thousands of souls. And perhaps you can hear it in a bit of a new way to, to lift you up from being a someone who's throwing their net into the sea and pulling in sardines to someone who is living on a higher level. Lek Akarai. Laura, what do you think? I love this concept. Um, I had never thought of it like that, but I, I really like so many of your other perspectives. I really like this perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. You're coming home after a tough day, Rhonda, and it's not a tough day anymore in teaching, but you've had some hassles, let's say, with in-laws. And we've given you seven golden keys, and you can reorganize your mental universe, but you can also just say, God, I, I'm following you. Lek Akarai, I, I hear the word. I hear the call. I, I don't want to be on this sandy shore anymore. I want, to, I want to do something deeply meaningful, which is to answer your call. What do you say, Rhonda? I really like that. I've never heard that. I I mean, I know follow me comes up a lot in in the Bible, but I never thought of applying it to my life like that. Um, what comes to mind to me is um, in some of my readings, you know, it says in the prayer, it says, Jesus, I trust in you. And I feel like that's kind of the follow me that we need to do. Yeah. Um, I close with experience that I, I've almost never talked about, but I feel called to. Uh, ladies, for about five seconds, I saw Jesus. It was years and years ago, and being deeply involved in philosophy, I was thinking about Jesus, and I, I was wondering, now, am I supposed to understand Jesus in a vertical sense? like he's far, far above me. I'm below and he's above. Or am I supposed to understand Jesus in terms of a Christian community in a horizontal sense that Jesus' love brings me together with my brothers and sisters? That's horizontal, that's vertical, you know. Back and forth, back and forth. I fall asleep. And for five seconds, and I can feel it now, I saw Jesus standing against a wall and there were blue flowers at his feet and I saw his nature and it wasn't vertical, it wasn't horizontal, it was overwhelming goodness. Goodness beyond any good I could ever conceived of. Not a good action, not even a good person, but pure overwhelming goodness just flooded out of him. And in my dream, my knees buckled. The emotion was so strong, I couldn't stand anymore. And I just wept. Five seconds. Five seconds to feel the goodness of God. And ladies, we're going to get way more than five seconds coming down the road. So I'm going to 
finish this talk with that little moment that I feel to this day. God bless us all. Laura, give us your blessing. Rhonda, give us your blessing. And I hope to see you all further down the road. Wow, Coach, that's a very powerful story for sure. And and to think, you know, how vividly you remember that. And I think that just speaks to the power of, you know, this this God key that you're talking about. Um, yeah, so, you know, what a blessing this whole series has been, but for sure this day. It's, you know, we say this every time, Rhonda and I, it's just what I'll speak for myself, just what I needed to hear today after a really rough day at school, not necessarily just all beloved rascals, um, but just lots and lots of different things. So yeah, blessings to you too, coach. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and just blessing all of us. Yeah, I would have to agree with Laura, just blessings to you and for all that you've done for teachers. You're always, um, and I say, I think every time you're inspirational to me. That's why I enjoy talking to you, love being around you. And we thank you so much. So it's been a pleasure having you on this podcast with this amazing therapy that you are giving teachers. Even though I'm out of the classroom, I can apply this mindful therapy to my everyday life. And I appreciate that so much, Coach. Again, we would love to hear from you, our listeners. If you've tried this whole brain teaching therapy, please post on one of our Facebook pages and share with us how these strategies are helping you as a part of your self-care. In addition, we want to encourage you to go to our website at fullbrainteaching.com for information about whole brain teaching. And be sure to check out whole brain teaching at the official store for free whole brain teaching resources. Coach is always making updates and has added those new super cute rules with the characters with the wonder words to this quick start. I love those new graphics. They are super cute. We are so grateful to have so much of your time on this um, podcast series, coach. We hope you will not be a stranger to the podcast for sure. Your wisdom is so appreciated by so many. And it is so obvious how much you care about teachers that you serve. And I I know Rhonda and I have felt very cared for during this podcast series, just in our time that we've spent with you. So thank you so much for that. We also want to thank you, our listeners, because we know we could not do what we do without you. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with all your teacher friends and administrators. The great thing about podcasts is you can go back and listen to them as often as you need. And I know I'll be listening to this series often. So until next time, we appreciate you. Bye.